So what I was talking about or what I've been thinking about is, and really there's, I don't think there's anything else to talk about right now except for me and and reflecting on what I want to talk about for a Dharma talk is how does the Dharma help me get through right now? I mean, that's always what it is. But right now, it seems everything is ramped up. The intensity of the world around us is at a very high pitch, whereas oftentimes we can kind of just um, discount it to a discount it uh, to a certain extent, unless it's really in our face. And so, how do these teachings help us? Um, the other night when I sat down, it was. Um, right after I heard the governor said, all right, everybody in California is safe at home. And that kind of was like, Whoa. and then this morning I was, I was actually, I went for a hike. And as I was going to the hike, I had uh, uh, the radio on NPR. I haven't listened to the news in my car for a very long time, but all of a sudden the last two weeks I have been. And um, it was, saying something like it's going to the next month is going to be really difficult and I found myself tearing up and felt feeling great sadness and so I'm noticing these really sharp emotions I mean there seems to be an onslaught a flood of 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 things coming at us but every once in a while one gets through and it's like a sharp experience of an emotion and what I'm grateful for is the ability to um, be with that emotion, to to sit with the emotion. Um, I find sometimes I do have a tendency to start getting, there's some anger around um, some of the responses by some of the um, administration by the administration let me put it that way that gets me angry when I when I remember that plus when I was hiking this morning I was listening to the last episode of the catch and kill podcast if you're familiar with that it's Ronan Farrow Um, he's the man who broke the Harvey Weinstein story and he wrote a book called catch and kill and he also did a podcast called catch and kill and so I listened that that podcast got me quite angry too. Um, I'm taking a breath and I'm going to put that over here for the moment. But that's, um, there's these, these uh, emotions that arise. And oftentimes when they're unpleasant, we want to go off in a different direction. And I've been reading a lot lately. Anybody else been doing a lot of reading? <laughs> There's, um, it's one of the things we're doing right now. But I've been reading some things on the Internet. And I saw this one article that said, um, the pandemic brings out the worst in humanity. It also brings out a lot of love and kindness and compassion because a lot of people are doing some really lovely things. But it talks about, you know, it talked about this um, each for their own behavior, um, like the, you know, t- the anecdotal people having fistfights over toilet paper, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it talks about how it's, um, you know, this evolutionarily ancient behavior. It's our tendency to just run with our feelings without uh, reactions, running with our reactions rather than stopping and turning towards and seeing what's actually going on. Um, And it's that amygdala hijack, that fight, flight, or freeze mentality that just kind of takes over 
when we don't pay attention because we're there's a lot of fear right now and people are running with the fear and that's the prime the 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 that reptilian brain got to take care of myself got to take care of myself got to take care of myself the only problem is it cause it can cause a lot of harm it can cause a lot of hurt it can be really um uh not healthy not healthy for us not healthy for other people i mean why would you get into a fist fight over um um toilet paper it it kind of reminds you of the 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 videos they show of people you know the day after thanksgiving when everybody breaks into the stores to get the cheap um christmas presents at walmart or best buy and they stab each other over tvs it's like that's that's not the 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 wise compassionate mind heart mind that's the greedy fearful deluded um samsara place of suffering that's driving that and we actually have to pause um it's really easy to get sucked into that if we don't pay attention it's really easy to get, get sucked into that and you see it around right now a lot of people are really sucked into that and so can you pause can you come back can you say um maybe i'll bring my mind over here maybe i'll let go of that it's really really um challenging but it's really important to make that effort um i read another article which is something that i've also been experiencing these last two weeks anybody distracted it's really um i saw i saw a headline of another article that i didn't read but talking about really letting go of being productive i think right now you know um productivity is going to suffer cuz people have to deal with their emotions they have to um process a whole lot of stuff that's coming at us there's a whole lot of stuff coming at us um and it's really difficult to process that and we get distracted you know when we're we're working on whatever it is we're working on a lot of people are working from home other people we have different things to do it's easy to get distracted so this this other this other article i saw is really cute it talks how to reduce di- digital distractions advice from medieval monks so it talks about this guy in 420 you know just a few hundred years after the buddha was also writing about the distractions and he talks about medieval monks had a terrible time concentrating and concentration was their lifelong work their tech was obviously different from ours but their but their anxiety about distraction was not they complained about being overloaded with information and about how even once you finally settled on something to read it was easy to get bored and turn to something else they were frustrated by their desire to stare out of the window or constantly check on the time or to think about food or sex when they were supposed to be thinking about god they even worried about getting distracted in their dreams but this man who wrote about this john cassian wrote about it in 420 he said the mind was the root of the problem and i love this it is an inherently jumpy thing um He complained that the mind seems driven by random incursions. It wanders around like it were drunk. 
So the mind is um, driven by random incursions. It wanders around as if it were drunk. It, think, it would think about something else while it prayed and sang. It would meander into its future plans or past regrets in the middle of reading. It couldn't even stay focused on its own entertainment, let alone the difficult ideas that called for serious concentration. Anybody else? Yeah. So the Buddha talked about that. Medieval monks talked about that. Today we talk about it. So there's really nothing new under the sun. There's just the technology. They had sundials for clocks and, you know, doing their illuminated manuscripts and studying. We have iPads and iPhones. And, you know, I, I've, I've showed, talked about this before when I was on retreat. The one woman who uh, shared that she locked her phone in her car and still reached for it during the retreat, even though it was locked away somewhere else. It was just this autopilot. The mind wants to distract, wants to go somewhere else wants to take take ourselves away from what's present and it's especially hard when it's difficult it's especially hard when we're facing challenges and right now um there's a lot of challenges our whole lives are being turned upside down you know and we don't know what's happening a impermanence is always with us but um, we have a sense of permanence. We have a sense of security. But right now, that's even taken away from us. We're not really sure what is going to be happening tomorrow, next week, next month. Things are moving so quickly. Um, it's challenging. And we have to make the effort to stay connected to reality. And when we stay connected to reality... We can better or choose more wisely the direction we go in. Um, we can cultivate wisdom that's necessary to see what's really happening and to acknowledge the fear. Fear drives us to do so many things. Um, anger, whatever the emotion is, drives us to do so many things, but if we're not paying attention, you know where you, you're going to end up maybe hitting someone in the face for a, tuna, a can of tuna fish or whatever it is. I mean, um, that's a simple, silly uh, uh, example, but you know what I mean. Say harsh things to people. When I was on the path this morning, the hiking trail, the dogs are supposed to be on a leash, but this one family had their dog it was a big dog and it was like running all over the place and it's like I had to keep my head down so I wouldn't say something really awful to them about how it must be nice that the rules to leash their dog don't apply to them and I didn't want to go down that road so I just like walked with my head down it's like don't be sarcastic I mean because I thought about it. it was a big dog I don't care about dogs but some people are have um you know, issues and can be really triggered by big glumping dogs coming at them. So anyway, but I could have, I could have, that fear, that anger could have just like, that being really on the edge, if we're not grounded, it's easy to fall over. So it, the need to be grounded is really important. So we have to slow down. And another thing that came to me around this whole thing is, is, um, the idea of 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows, right now it feels like we're in the middle of these sorrows, but we have to recognize that there's also joys. There's the, the 
absolute exquisite sky we've been having in Southern California right now. I know some of you don't live here in, in the L.A. area, um, but it's been exquisite. It's been exquisite. Have you been able to take a moment to, to, to just go, wow. You know, I went on this hike um, and it was up in the hills. And so, A, I got to see the San Fernando Valley and a bit of downtown Los Angeles. And spring has sprung because there's all these wildflowers out there. It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. So to stop and acknowledge what's actually present. We have to. We have a choice. And we have. we don't have a choice if we're not paying attention. We're in amygdala hijack, especially if you listen to the news all the time or watch the the constant replay of all this nonsense that's on TV. If you have to stop, come back, like I was offering in the meditation, ask, what is this? What is this? And of course, that brought up the Viktor Frankl quote, which because I have my laptop in front of me, I can just go over and look up. Viktor Frankl, for those of you who don't know, was he was in uh, constant. He was a, a neurologist and a psychiatrist, and he was uh, he spent a lot of time in a, a, a concentration camp during World War II. And his quote is: "Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom." There is a pause between the stimulus, the input to our senses, the smells, the thoughts, the the images we see, the smells, the taste, the physical experience we have. There's There's a pause. If we slow down and make the effort to see it, and then we can respond. We have a choice, and that's where our freedom is. If we're just reacting, we don't know what's going to happen. It's a our, our, our um, conditioned response, our habitual form of being in the world. But when we can choose differently, that's our growth. That's our freedom. That's the awakening the Buddha talked about. Um, yeah, and then this other this other quote that came up when I looked for this one. Everything can be taken from a man but one thing the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. I think that's a powerful quote coming from someone who spent time in a concentration camp. That, And, and again, this is the Buddha talks about this, the, um, the, the, uh, the mind and the ability to be with what is, wherever you are, how difficult it is, I was smelling some lavender somebody gave me today. Oh my goodness, just in this split second, there's the joy of lavender. But if I'm lost in the delusion of the mind, that's going to be a really difficult thing to get to. That's going to be really challenging. And it can be really challenging, but if we train the mind to be right here, it's important. It's really important. And it's also important, part of this is keeping perspective. We have to keep perspective and we have to not just um, think that the, 
Well, we have to give ourselves time to grieve. We have to give ourselves time to mourn. I think that's really important right now. Um, there is, because of all these changes, because of a lot of loss, there's a lot of loss right now. And give yourself time to mourn the loss. Give, give yourself time to grieve. Um, don't push that away. Allow those 10,000 sorrows to be there. But don't say no to the 10,000 joys or the five joys and the five sorrows. We don't have to take all 10,000 all at once. But they're here. Don't say no to them. Allow them to be present. Feel them. Um, that's part of being, that's part of the human condition. That's part of being alive. This is a quote from James Barras, who um, is one of my teachers and who wrote the, is, does the Awakening Joy class. He says, the more we are willing to be present for the hard parts of life, the, free are, the freer we are to be open to all of it. The more we're willing to be open and present, to, the more we're willing to be present for the hard parts of life, the difficulties, the 10,000 sorrows the more or the freer we are to be open to all of it. If we don't run away from the discomfort, if we're not afraid of being with the discomfort, then we're not hiding from anything. Because when we hide from the discomfort, we also hide from the joy. You know, we think by blocking out the pain, we're, we're okay, but we block out the sorrow. I mean, we block out the joy as well, because when we hide, we don't have a choice as to what gets in, everything is out. But when we, we tear down those walls, when we open up, then we allow the discomfort in. We don't say no to it. We're intimate with it. We're kind, we're compassionate towards it. We're gentle with ourselves. We tend to the grief. We tend to the loss. But we celebrate the joy. We celebrate the, the sweetness that's also present. We celebrate those sweet little connections. Today I was walking around the block and my neighbor was riding his bike. And so he was riding his bike over here and I was walking and we were chatting. As we rode by the gun store to see why they were still open, but they're not. They're closed now. So that we were happy about that. But... Um, you know, we have these little exchanges and it was so nice. And then I walked by my other neighbor. He was sitting out on his front porch. I've never seen him sit out on his front porch. So there's those sweet little moments. Don't miss the sweet connections that are present. When you say no, you say no to so much. So when you say yes, you can open up to so much. It's really important, you know. So one thing I would offer is to set an intention to experience emotions without fear as much as you can or allow the fear to be there, but do it anyway. You know, I seem like I've talked about fear a lot lately, but I think it's like an appropriate topic like these days. There's a shit ton. No, I won't say fuck ton. No, there's a fuck ton of fear, but there's a shit ton of fear. There's a lot of fear right now. Um, uh, that's one of my favorite words. Anyway. Uh, so set an intention to experience emotions, whether there's fear present or not. There's fear. I don't want to feel this. I, you know, let it be there. Let it, let it roll over you. But tend to it gently and kindly. Um, 
Mindfulness helps you do that, brings you back, helps you stay out of the big story, stay out of the big overwhelm and come back to the what's right now, what's right here. Helps you breathe through it, helps you ground by feeling your feet on the floor, helps you remember to ask that question, what is this? What is this? That's where you want to stay with this. Um, sometimes mindfulness can be overwhelmed. Sometimes mindfulness is not necessarily strong enough to help us stay present for what's going on. Sometimes um, uh, it's just too much. In which case, take a break. Use some skillful means. Go do something else. Watch a movie. Watch The Great British Baking Show or something silly, you know. Watch, watch do something silly. Read, a, read something fun. Take a break. Take care of yourself. It's really important. Call a friend. Go for a walk. Do, pull out a coloring book. Do a puzzle. Whatever you find um, mindless fun, it's fine. No, say, you know what? I'm checking out. I'm going to do this right now. So important. Turn on, turn on some music. Dance around your house. Just, just do what it will help you. It's skillful means. It's so important. Take a, take a nap. Take a nap. That's heaven. Um, so, and there's, there's this one, one last thing. Another thing I saw on the internet. Huh? There's a lot of stuff. Anyway. It's called um, Six Daily Quarantine Questions. So these are, these are six things that you can do when you're in quarantine. Um, ask, what am I grateful for today? What am I grateful for today? That's why I always do the gratitude practice at the end of meditation because it's really important to cultivate gratitude. We're always, we can always find one thing to be grateful for. We may, we have a tendency to slough stuff off, but we shouldn't do that. It should always, I'm, you can find one thing to be grateful for. I, uh, I invite you to find that one thing. Uh, second thing is, who am I checking in on or connecting with today? Do you have people you want to connect with? People that you want to check in on? Reach out. It's so easy to be isolated, but you don't have to be. Um, make sure you talk to somebody else today, especially if you live alone. What expectations of normal am I letting go of today? Normal. Throw that word away. You know, we want to get back to normal. Normal is a fixed idea. It's a solid point in time that we think it needs to look like. That doesn't exist. It's what is is what is right now. We're in habits. We're in patterns. But that, those habits, those patterns are, are shifting and changing rapidly. Let go of normal. You know, I had a, a, years ago, I worked for a man who, unfortunately, his wife passed away. She had an aneurysm and died very suddenly. She was very young. And he had two small, two small daughters. And he talked about going to the grief counselor. Who, and he said to her, he said, I just, we just want to get back to normal. And he's like, no, this is, this is, this is the new normal. This is a new normal. There's no going back. There's only being with what is. It's so um, important to recognize that. So, so, so see what you're attached to and see what you can let go of. 
how am I getting outside today? You know, can you open your front door and just uh, stick your head out? Open your window and stick your head out like those folks in Italy are doing, singing to each other? How am I moving my body today? How are you uh, not being a couch potato if, if you can do that? Um, it's helpful to get some kind of activity. Uh, what beauty am I either creating, cultivating, or inviting in? What beautiful thing are you creating, cultivating, or inviting in? I saw, I think you see it, all these museums around the world are putting on, um, you know, uh, their exhibits um, online. So you can go to the Louvre or go to the Hermitage or go to some other museum. I don't know if they're included, the Louvre and the Hermitage, but there's a bunch of museums and artwork that's available to look at. Don't, don't just um, uh, cave up, but open up. Um, yeah, so what are you doing? How are you going to take care of yourself? And then I have this other, I have this friend in the, the Palm Springs area, and I guess they're on a shutdown, and he's been doing a shelter in place, and he's been doing a shelter in place journal that he's posting on Facebook, and you know, all the things he and his partner, he and his husband are doing to take care of themselves over these few weeks and days, and so just, um, you know, be proactive in how you take care of yourself. Do it mindfully. Don't let the circumstances take over and drive you. Um, I mean, they do to a certain extent because we have to work with what we have, but how are you meeting them mindfully with joy, with compassion, with wisdom? This, this The two arms of awakening, wisdom and compassion. The wise heart is what we're practicing. That's how we take care of ourselves, by cultivating this wise heart. So, you know, how are you taking care of yourself today? What makes sense for you? What's important for you? Just one thing. I think that's probably a good thing in the morning just to say, what am I going to do today? I'm going to run around and chase my cats because they love it when I do that and I don't do it every day. We have a lot of fun when we do that. They're silly little critters, you know. Are you, kind of, are you going to color in your coloring book? What are you going to do? So those are my thoughts on, again, continuing to work with these teachings, how we can um, bring them into our world, how we can keep them um, forefront and center in moving through this, this, this stuff that's going on. I'd love to hear any questions anybody has, any comments, thoughts. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.